you know, uh, some of us have had some struggles this week, probably this month over the last few days. Uh, some of us have maybe been stuck a little bit in life. And what I hope to do today is to kind of bring some refreshment to your uh, soul and to your life and to your faith. Could you use a little refreshment today? Could you be refreshed a little bit in life and the meaning of life and the uh, purpose of life? Because I really think that's one of the great reasons to gather as the church. To remember who Jesus is, remember who he says that we are, as that last song just declared. And to remember that he does have a place for us in his house and be refreshed every step of the way along life's journey because of who we belong to. And man, you know, a lot of times life can kind of come at us and get us kind of uh, displaced or, or, or stuck, and we forget who we are. We forget who created us. We begin to want to be what the world declares us to be instead of what our great creator and our God declares us to be. And I just want to declare one more time today that I am who he says that I am. I am what the word of God says I am, and he is who he says that he is. And so one of the greatest ways to be refreshed in our life is to get a fresh revelation, to get a fresh revelation. You know, the Bible says it's impossible for us to please our creator without faith. But what is faith? Faith is simply confidence and hope in things that are not yet seen. It's to live life in such a way that, you know what, that You haven't seen something, but you believe it, and your life acts accordingly to what you really believe in your heart, in the depth of your spirit, in the depth of your soul. And and so God gave us this amazing book uh, uh, in our Bible. It's, It's called Revelation. It's at the end of the Bible, and it's actually a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's an inspiring book. It's an inspiring letter, we may call it, in our in our Bible, in the recorded word of God. And so many people never go to that letter because, you know, we, we, there's a lot of symbols and a lot of uh, uh, typology in, in that letter that the, that the author used, figurative language. And sometimes because we don't quite grasp all the figurative language, we become afraid of it. But God put it in his word to encourage us, to motivate us, to help us really understand what life is all about. And it's an amazing, amazing book. And I just want to go there for a little while today. Because I do believe that right there in Revelation chapter 1, in the opening of the letter, that God inspires some amazing things that's going to lift you up a little bit today. And and I want to take a look at it. But I think what happens a lot of times is our reality becomes what we see instead of what God has said. Our reality becomes uh, what we are physically facing this very moment. Sometimes our reality becomes what happened to us a long time ago, whether it be good or bad. Some of us live in the past. There's a couple of you in here that were probably a great athlete in high school. Maybe you were a world-famous quarterback. And, you know, life just doesn't seem to be working like it did when you were 16 or 17 in high school and you could throw the football. And, and, 
But you, you keep reminiscing about what used to be instead of hoping for what can be. And, and this book, Revelation, can really, really begin to inspire you so you don't get stuck in the past. You know, in one time when Jesus was walking the face of the earth, there were some people that were stuck. They were stuck on where they were, and Jesus begins to basically share some quick statements about don't get stuck where you are because I'm worth following, and if you will follow me, I'm going to take you to greater places in life. And he made this declaration in Luke chapter 9, verses 61 and 62. Look what it says. One of the people says, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. Now, Jesus believes in family, right? Family is very, very significant and important to Jesus. But I want you to look what Jesus says, and this can sound so cold, but, but Jesus is trying to get, don't get stuck. Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone put, who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And a lot of times we can read that in a negative sense. But what Jesus is really saying is if your family and, and what you've experienced, you know, yesterday with mama and daddy and uh, the sweet little uh, baby boy and all that kind of stuff, if, if you get stuck there, you're going to miss so much more in what is yet to come. And it's amazing to me sometimes how we can get stuck even with the blessings of life. Not, not just the, the, the rough things that we go through, the rough patches that we go through, but we get stuck with the blessings and, and what God blesses us with today and we forget all about what is still yet to come. And so what we want is, is just a better today. Nothing wrong with wanting a great today. Anybody want a great today? And Jesus would not say, don't want a great today. But he's basically saying, don't, don't let what's happening today alter your movement in what is still yet to come. Don't, don't let it just become the reality of life. Let, let what I say and who God says you are become the reality of your life. Not getting stuck in family, not getting stuck in your job, not getting stuck in your circumstances, not getting stuck in, in, the, in the valleys, not getting stuck on the mountaintop. Move with me and expect me to do greater things and refresh you so you can keep on moving. There's another passage. It's in the Old Testament found in the book of Isaiah as the prophet there was speaking to the people on behalf of God. And this is what he says, Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. He tells the people, you know, you've watched God do some amazing things from generation to generation. He says, but forget all of that. What? Just forget all of that. You've watched him do some amazing things. You've watched him bring your generation out of bondage or, or your people out of bondage. You've watched him bring you through the Red Sea, part the Red Sea. You watched him do miracles. You watched him take uh, the people of Israel from bondage into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey underneath the leadership of Joshua. You've watched God do some amazing things. He says, but forget all of that. He says, forget that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. This is the voice of God. He says, forget all of that because it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun talking to the people long ago. 
He says, do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Now, I find this amazing because what he's telling the people that had traveled through a wilderness for 40 years, generation after generation, that he had delivered with his hand from bondage, had taken them into this amazing provision in this amazing land. He's saying, you've seen me do some amazing, amazing things, but you haven't seen nothing yet. He's like, what I'm getting ready to do is going to open your eyes. It's out in front of you. And you know what? It is going to be fresh. It is going to be new. It is going to be amazing. Let that revelation, Isaiah says, refresh your soul. A fresh revelation to refresh who you are. And, And see, I think even after the cross of Jesus... The death, the burial, and the resurrection. After the ascension of Christ, we sit here in 2018, 2,000 years later, and God has done some amazing, amazing things. Amazing. He has come to reunite humanity with him through Christ Jesus. However, sometimes we get stuck. And God has put this book called Revelation in our Bible so you don't get stuck, so you don't miss it, so you don't get stuck in the blessing or the pain or the hurt or the circumstances or the family or anything else and miss the new thing that he's about to do. And again, circumstances, challenges, Good things and bad things can make humanity get stuck. I believe in a progressive God. I believe a God who is making progress in humanity every step of the way. I believe a God who is doing new things uh, always. He's not a new God, but he's doing new things and he's revealing himself in new ways over and over again. And he's not finished yet. And my Bible declares in his word that he will come reveal himself again, not as a suffering servant, but a risen king. And that should encourage your faith because he's not finished yet. And he will create a new heaven and a new earth and give you a brand spanking new body. But by faith, by faith, do you believe it? Do you trust it? Do you act accordingly? Because the Bible says faith is confidence in something you have not yet seen. However, you believe it because God has said it. And can I tell you, it takes takes courage to have faith and believe in what God has said over the circumstances. Over, over in what may seem as reality today because you haven't seen that happen yet. But God has given this fresh look of revelation to us so that we don't get stuck. So I'm going to go there. The word revelation actually means unveiling or uncovering. And so what is God uncovering in the book of Revelation? Many people think he's uncovering what the end of the world will be. And it is in the book of Revelation, as we know it today, but that's not the uncovering, the unveiling. The unveiling isn't what the end of the world is here as we know it. The unveiling is that eternity is real and there's a king who has defeated death 
and risen and his name is Jesus and you need to have him unveiled to you so you don't get discouraged in this life. It's an uncovering. It's an unveiling of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of who, who Jesus is. Now, you know, some of us get stuck and satisfied with what we have in life. But I believe today God may unveil some things and maybe move us out of our stuckness, our slumber, or whatever else. It's kind of like the new iPhone. Now, I know there's some people in here, you know, that are stuck, and you don't want a new iPhone. I know, I know, because you don't want to learn how to use it. But can I tell you, the day you stop learning is the day you stop growing. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just satisfied. I'm, 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 I'm satisfied with what I got, you know, and they can call me. Yeah, but what if it, they could expose you to even greater things? And I think that's where we get with God sometimes. I'm just kind of satisfied. I'm satisfied with a Savior. I'm saved. I've been forgiven of my sin, and I'm satisfied. And God's like, look, man, I got, a, I got an iPhone 10, 12 waiting on you, and you got stuck. You got stuck with a suffering servant and forgiveness of your sin, but you forgot. I didn't just come to forgive you of your sin. I came to give you an upgraded life. I came to give you a a new look at life, a new operating system to do greater things. And don't you get stuck with your flip phone. Because I'm doing a new thing. And again, so many people get stuck, right? But it's amazing because those of us who do hunger and thirst after, say, even better things, and if it's technology or whatever else, when they unveil, uncover the new iPhone, you ever thought about why they do that before they actually put them on the market? and Go and check out what's going to be the latest, face command or whatever it is, you know? And why do they unveil that to the public early on? It's so that that once it is, it is, it comes to reality. You haven't seen it yet. You can kind of just get a prototype or a video of it or maybe a writing about it, kind of like the book of Revelation. But it's to keep you hungry. And it's to say, hey, don't get satisfied with the flip phone. There's something better coming. And they uncover it. They unveil it. So you put your hope towards that and and you begin to say, man, it's going to be greater. And you begin to kind of seek and and run after those things. I I want you to know God created you for eternity. And God created you for greatness. However, the enemy will get you stuck in your past circumstances, satisfied with your current circumstances, and you will miss the eternal things that God is painting out in front of you. And it is fantastic. It is marvelous. It is a world freed of sin. It is a glorious place. It is a risen king. It is a God of the universe ruling over us and us under his leadership. And he's given us amazing things to operate with. However, Some of us are stuck with the flip phone. And God says, let's open the book of Revelation and unveil something amazing to you. The Bible says in Revelation 1 verse 3, God blesses the one who reads 
the words of this prophecy, speaking of that book, Revelation, to the church. So I'm glad to read some of the prophecy to you today because it says God's going to bless me. He blesses the one who listens. Punch your neighbor and say, listen, listen, listen. You want to be blessed? Listen. Don't go to sleep now. He blesses all who listen to its message and obey. Punch your other neighbor and say, obedience, obedience, obedience. Punch them. Tell them obedience, obedience. Obey what it says. For the time is near. So the book of Revelation, and I'm not going to obviously cover the whole entire book today. I'm just going to spend some time in chapter 1 because chapter 1 is amazing. But the book of Revelation actually comes with its own outline in the opening chapter. And I want to show that to you so you kind of grasp what the whole book is about. And Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, uh, the angel of the Lord begins to present the writer John a imagery to write down to be a revelation to humanity as life keeps progressing and we put it at the end of our Bible. And it says this in Revelation 1.19. He says, John, write down what you have seen. That's what he has just described in Revelation chapter 1. So he's, he's, he's referring to John, what you have seen so far in this imagery I'm giving you. He says, write it down. And that's what John records in Revelation chapter 1. He says, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. And so that's the outline for the whole book. And it's basically chapter 1 is is Jesus in complete control. And now chapter 2 and 3, he addresses the churches, the seven churches in the providence of Asia Those are the things that he says that are now happening. He's addressing those. And then in chapters 4 through 22, he addresses addresses what the future is going to look like after the church age. We're in an age of the church. Throughout all of history and all of time, as humanity knows, that we're in what we call the church age. And he says, you write down those things, and chapters 4 through 22 are about future things that are going to happen, which are going to be simply amazing. But he's like, refresh the people. And that's what the whole book of Revelation is about. It's to change our perspective on on everything. It's to give us a fresh view of, of reality and eternity and what life is all about. So let's just spend some time in Revelation 1 today refreshing our self so that we walk out of here with a, a kind of a fresh approach to life. Like, like, so tomorrow morning when the circumstance comes, you get out of bed and you're like, uh-uh, I'm, I'm refreshed today. Oh, yesterday, last night, none of that defines who I am. Today, I am a child of God. I am who he says I am. I've got a place in his house and the life is amazing. And you know what? I've got a fresh outlook on life. And I know she yelled at me last night before we went to bed. But I don't care what she said about me. I know what he says about me. And I'm refreshed. Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. Let's go back and look at it. 
This is a revelation from Jesus Christ who God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present the revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything everything he saw. The Bible says this. This is what his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says. For the time is near. This is the first thing we need refreshment on. We need a fresh view of time. We need a fresh view of time. Now, I know some of you are a whole lot more intelligent than I am. And some of you have probably read some of the things that God has said in this revelation, revelation uh, at the end of the, the Bible, the revelation to John. And you realize that this was written down by a man named John in AD 90, about 90 years after Jesus was here on earth. And now it's 2018. It's nearly 2,000 years later. And then when you read those first three verses, you're like, oh, shoot, it says the time is near, and it's been 2,000 years, and, and, you know, the truth of the matter is it ain't happened yet, and he says that these things are going to happen very soon, and they haven't happened, so I'm just going to shut the book because it can't be true because he says, you know what, the time is soon, the time is near. But maybe, just maybe, if that's how you think, because it hasn't happened yet. Because soon, your definition of soon is different than God's definition of soon. Your definition of near is different than your creator's definition of near. And maybe you need to be refreshed in how God sees time. And instead of how you see time. Because the writer wrote it down inspired by God. And God says, write it down that, you know what, the time is near and things are soon. But what happens a lot of times, we get kind of lost in the, in the roller coaster of life. And we're like, man, you know, this week is so long. I had to work 32 hours this week at Chick-fil-A. Can you imagine that? Oh, my gosh. Is it ever going to be over? That's our definition of time. But let's look at God's. Psalm chapter 90, this is a prayer of Moses. Verse four, he says, God, for you, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. So somehow Moses got it, didn't he? He, he? He's talking to God, he's praying. And he says, God, for you, a thousand years is like a day to me. He says it's like a few hours of a, of a passing night. Peter, after Jesus has ascended to heaven, he writes a letter called 1 Peter in our Bible. And listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, but you must not forget, he's writing to the people, this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise. Come on, somebody. He's not slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He, 
He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. He wants everyone to have this revelation of who Jesus Christ is, turn from doing life their own way and turn to him and trust him with their heart. And so as you think God's being slow in your circumstance and your four and no more and your family, and it's just all about, you're missing it because it seems like God is never going to act on your timetable, but you got to remember his timetable is so different than our timetable. Tap your neighbor like you do on that computer when you want it to refresh that website. Just tap them, say refresh, refresh, refresh. Anybody got one of those computers? Like when you tap on something, you're trying to get to the page to open up and you want it to open up and you hit it and it's just like. Are you like me? Refresh, 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 refresh. Michael Allen, that's our tech guy here. (laughs) That's what I do. My computer ain't working anymore. Refresh. Some of us up here, we got a computer. It's brilliant. It's incredible. It's been so bogged down and clogged up with the circumstances of life and where you're at right now. And you're thinking this will never to be over. If heaven's so great, then why don't I just hurry up and go there? You need to refresh your mind because heaven is not just a place you go. Heaven can come and live in your heart currently right where you are and begin to refresh your soul. And it's why God came from heaven to earth. It's why he sent his one and only son. You're trying to escape the circumstances and God's trying to reveal who he is in the circumstances. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Refresh. I know you're brilliant. I know your computer's awesome. But again, just for the sake of the moment, let this book bring refreshment to your soul. God's timetable is different than our timetable. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. I've got a, and I hope this refreshes you today. I got a piece of yarn. It's red. And it's about a foot long. And again, when you look at life from your perspective, a lot of times instead of from God's perspective, we're born into the earth, got some challenges, got some circumstances for 10 years or whatever else. And, you know, then all of a sudden we get the breakthrough and life's amazing for 15 years. And then all of a sudden a tragedy happens in, you know, what year or 28 or whatever else. And they walk out when they said, I do. And they said, I don't. And then we, we think, oh shoot, it's over. Only got like, you know, three more days on this timeline. And, and it's all good. It's just over because of this circumstance and this challenge I got. And again, you got to change your view of time. You got to change your, your view of who you are. And again, you're, you're a created being by God and you're placed in an earth suit. That's that body you live in right now. But, but see, that body that you live in right now 
doesn't define the you that God has created. And if you let the outward circumstances that's happening in your flesh, around your flesh, to your flesh, define who you are, you will live as if life is over. But just for a minute, if you could let God speak into your life, into the core of who you really are, and connect you to who he is, it could change everything. My friend, this is why Jesus came. It's why his body was torn on a cross. It's so you can be tethered to reality of who you are. And and let me show you what I'm talking about. Because Jesus was a lot like this duct tape. He didn't come to patch you up and fix all your problems. He came to refocus you. He came to refocus you on what life is all about. And I really don't want you to miss this today. Because I got to put my microphone down for just a second. Again, Jesus didn't come to patch you up. Jesus came to reconnect you to the reality of eternity and what time is all about. And you're only seeing from a human point of view. Remember, a day is like a thousand years to God and a thousand years is like a day. I need you to get your head up. Look at your neighbor if you're sitting up here close on the front and say, get your head up because he's fixing to throw a ball of yarn to you. (laughs) So stop looking at life just as that foot of string and let the one whose life was torn on a cross tether you to reality. And you begin to look at life from the point of view that he looks at life from forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. This is eternity. This is Jesus. This is the one that reveals who we are, Christ Jesus. Fantastic. You can have your seat. And and again, roll that string back up because we don't want anybody to get choked on life. Fresh revelation. And again, you know, I've been around some people who have had some tragedies just this week. It's amazing in the midst of challenges. Sometimes how reality begins to be lifted. And reality is, you know what? This can't be just all it is. This life, these three days, these three weeks, these 30 years, these 80 years, this 104 years. And again, the sooner you come to the reality that God is a connector of your spirit to his eternal purpose for you. And the way he does that is through Christ Jesus is the moment that life really begins to change. And your focus can change.
But until you get this perspective of life, my friend, and who Jesus really is, the rest of the book of Revelation won't make any sense at all. But Jesus didn't come just to reveal eternity and what time is all about. Also, he came in that whole book to reveal who he is. And again, he came the first time as a suffering servant. Right now, he is a connector. The Bible says he's an advocate. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, interceding for you and me. And basically, what he is doing in heaven right now is every time you miss the mark of God's glorious standard, the Bible says he turns to the Father and says, please, Father, don't look at them missing the mark of your standard. Look at the blood I shed on the cross because I gave my life to forgive them of that, to pay a high price for that. Would you not look at that, but would you look at me? Right now, that's what he's doing. Currently on your behalf and my behalf. He came. He ascended. He is there. Do you really believe in Jesus? And my, my Bible says that he's going to come and he's going to return. He's going to reward all of those who faithfully believe in who he is and what he is all about. It's about a kingdom that you cannot see with your eyes, but God will place in your heart. And you can live a life by faith each and every day on this journey. And so the Bible goes on to reveal and refresh us of who Jesus is. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 1, verses, verses 4 and 5. It says, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the providence of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. He's speaking of Jesus. He says, from the seven-fold spirit before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to the things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. It begins to mention him as the one that's not just a suffering servant on the cross, but mentions him as one who is a risen mediator and a returning king. And so the Bible speaks of this in Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. I want to I read it. Says, John says, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, he says, I saw seven golden lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head was was his 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 head and his hair were white like wool, kind of like mine, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like a mighty ocean waves. He had seven stars in his right hand, which represents the seven leaders of the churches. It defines that a little bit later. It says, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. He is one in all authority. He's going to take care of business. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. My friend, that's what your father and Jesus wants to say to you today. Don't be afraid. I know life is happening. I know the circumstances seem like sometimes, you know what, they are horrific. He says, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. He says, John, I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. 
Death didn't hold me in the ground. The nails and your sin didn't keep me from being who I am. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. My friend, this should refresh you today with a new revelation of who Jesus is. That's why it's in his word. Though the enemy thought he held the keys to death, Jesus reminds John, write this down. Write down how you are seeing me right now, John, in my risen state, in my eternal state, and who I really am. He says, don't you be afraid of who I am. Don't you be afraid of what is still yet to come. It is amazing and it is eternal. And don't you be afraid of what is going to happen to your very life now. Let me put my hand on you, child of God. And though the enemy thought he held the keys of death to your soul, I'm a Jesus that came and robbed the enemy of the grave he tried to put me in and I have the keys in my hand. No longer does he rule and reign over your life. I do. And I have the keys of the kingdom in my hand. And if you will put your faith in me, I am not shutting you out of my plan. Actually, I'm opening the door to your future. Wow. See, the enemy will lock you away from the future. Eternal things. But Jesus came to take the keys and open you up. Open you up to what is still yet to come. He came to open a door to life isn't about here and now, right where you are. Life is about eternal things. And I've done defeated death and rose from the grave. And he's like, John, look at me. I'm large and in charge. And I am in authority. I don't care what the grave said about me. I don't care what they did to me when they nailed me on that cross. I don't care what your sin was. I am a God that can forgive, pay, and restore the human soul to who they are. And my friend, you're like, yeah, a pastor. That don't, that don't do anything for my immediate circumstance. Change your focus. I'm inviting you to do it because I got some immediate circumstances going on too. We all do. And we're here to encourage one another. Come on. It ain't over. Because we got one who defeated death and rose from a grave and eternity is real and we believe the best is still yet to come. But if you believe the best is just today, I, I, I believe that God's trying to open your heart and your eyes to who he is. He's an eternal God. He's a good God and he's good from beginning to end. He is good in who he says he is. 
And again, I know something happened with you and something has happened to me. But there is a God who is working to good at all those who are in love with him and are called according to his purpose. He's a good God and he's working it out. I believe it. Even when I'm horrific, he's amazing. Even when I go to the bottom of the hill, Oh, and I'm one of the world's worst. I live on the emotional roller coaster many of you live on. And so how do I get back up? How do I keep going? Because I can tell you right now, you just hold a microphone for 15 years and you'll live on an emotional roller coaster too. You say, what do you mean? What I mean is, you know, if you stand in front of enough people, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, and you talk long enough, guess what? There's going to be some people who say some things about you, good things, awesome things. Way to go, pastor. Hallelujah. And there's going to be some people who say some horrific things. And I'm just, I'm human. It's like you. You are too. Accidents happen. Things happen in my life and in your life. So how do you stay above the circumstances, the emotional pull on your soul? And it's only by putting your faith in one who has defeated all the things that take control of our emotions every single day of our life. You know, my wife said something to me this week because, you know, we've had, we had some bumps in the road, not not. We had them in our marriage too. Don't, don't let me get you wrong there. But, but I ain't talking about that at the current moment. But we've had some bumps in the road. You know, and, and, and she looked at me a couple of mornings ago in our, in our bathroom. It's where we, we get ready together. She does one side and I do the other. She says, Only, way I'm currently getting through this. It's with the Word of God. I thought, that's amazing. What you just said, it's amazing. She said, I'll get through it. Because she says, my emotions are wacky doodle doo. She's like, I'm this way one minute, I'm that way. But she says, when I center myself back on who Jesus is and I read in his word and I get a fresh revelation and, a, and of what he is doing in the world and he's not finished and he's an amazing God and he has risen from a grave and he is our advocate and he is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he is going to return and he is going to reward all those who faithfully serve him. She says it changes everything. And again, that's what I just want to encourage you in today. Get centered back on who Jesus is. And my friend, he did come and he died a cruel death on the cross. But you know what? That has already happened. You want to get your faith jacked up out of the roof? Don't just look at what has happened. Look at what you have not seen happen yet and put your hope in that because he said he's coming back on testimony of what he did the first time he defeated death and resurrected from a grave. He says in the book of Revelation, he's going to return and he's going to reward those who belong to his family. And I just got to declare to you today, stop focusing on who he used to be and start focusing on who he is and who he is still going to be, eternal things. He's a risen Savior. 
Savior. He's a risen king. He's a risen advocate. But if all you do is see him on a cross, dying for you, my friend, you need to let him live for you today. And empower your soul. Because he died to refresh you to tell you that you can still, you can still live. I got one more point. And I'm actually contemplating on whether I want to do it or not. Not because of you, you're awesome, but because of me and where I'm at right now. But we need to have a a fresh revelation. I'm not talking about personally. I'm, I'm in a good spot personally. A fresh revelation on how you view you. Refreshed. Get a fresh view of you, the God given you, because you are worth living. Listen to what the Bible says. Revelation chapter one, verses five through seven. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us. All glory to Jesus who has, who loves us and he has freed us from our sins by the shedding of his blood for us. He has made us. Tap your neighbor and say, he made you. He frees you, he makes you into a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven. and Everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I find this fascinating because when I, when I looked at the book of Revelation and I began to process where the author John is in his life. He had been with Jesus. He had walked with Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. He experienced Jesus before the cross. He experienced the death of of, of Christ. He experienced the resurrection. He experienced the Holy Spirit coming in his life. And here he is, you know, some probably 60 years later, and he is imprisoned because of his faith on an island called Patmos. And many people believe he was being brutally, brutally challenged and even uh, dipped in hot boiling water on this island as a prisoner of the faith. And you know what? He is in distress. He is hurting. He is in pain. And Jesus comes to him through the power of an angel and a revelation and meets him where he is and reminds him that he's loved He's accepted, he's freed from the sin, and he was very valuable. He was a kingdom of, he was part of the kingdom of the priests, and he was equipped to stand. And I do believe that the reason he came to John in this dark moment was to remind him that it's not over. I'm making all things new. Because I'm a God that changes the bloodline of humanity because of who my father is. And I come from heaven to earth. This is who Jesus is. His father is from heaven. He, doesn't have an, he didn't have an earthly, a physical father. Though He had an earthly father, Joseph, who was like a stepfather. You need to understand what Jesus did 
He came from a different kingdom, a different place, and he offers he offers to you and me who are from a different bloodline the opportunity to shift and come to his kingdom and his table and be underneath his leadership. And John is in a place of where the human bloodline has brought him to a place of severity and hurt and pain. And Jesus shows up and basically reminds him that it's it's not over. And I was thinking a little bit about this actually a few years ago. And actually, I began to think of the bloodline I come from. I, I, I'm a human, I'm not God. And I come from a human bloodline. I got an earthly dad and an earthly mother. And I come from the human bloodline that is sinful in its nature. It's bent and led towards doing things against God because I'm more for myself than I am for God. Many times, because that's what sin is. It's all about me and what I can get instead of, you know what, living underneath God's umbrella and what he can give me and me living that out. And I remember what bloodline I was from, and I was taken back to an Old Old Testament passage of Scripture. And it's wrapped around the idea of a king of Israel. His name's King David. And King David come from a different bloodline of the current kings of, of that particular day. Saul was the king that God had appointed. Saul had an evil spirit, the Bible says. I'm just kind of covering some brief territory for you. The Bible says Saul had an evil spirit that entered him, and that evil spirit entered into his his bloodline of kingship, and God is going to shift the kingship over uh, to David. But the Bible says as that that evil spirit enters Saul and gets in Saul, it defiles the bloodline. And so everybody in that bloodline basically had become fearful of this, this new bloodline that God had put in charge, King David. The Bible says that Saul had a a grandson. His name is Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lives in a place called Lodabar, which Lodabar was a dry, desolate place, kind of like where John was in Patmos. And the Bible says that Lodabar is a place where Mephibosheth lives, and he is afraid for his life because of the new king in place. He's a crippled man. He's a man who was was dropped years earlier and became crippled. He's in this low, desolate, dry place, hiding out. And the Bible says that King David summons for him. Basically said, is there anybody else alive in this bloodline? I want to see him. And his servant Ziba said, yeah, there's one down in Lodabar's name is Mephibosheth. David says, well, go get him. And and here's the account, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show show God's kindness to them. And Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. The Bible goes on to say in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, that they go and get him. He comes to David. And David simply brings him in, a man that's crippled on the ground, fearing for his life, 
The Bible says that David looks at him and says, don't be afraid. Remember what Jesus said to John in, in Patmos when John feared him as the risen king, as one standing with a sash across his chest and the bronze feet, and he's standing there, and John says, I thought I was dead, kind of like Mephibosheth. Thought he was when he was brought before the King David's feet. He thought he was getting ready to have his head chopped off. Mephibosheth does. But, but David looks at Mephibosheth. He says, though Mephibosheth, you come from a wicked bloodline that tried to take me out. Saul tried to take David out. He says, I sent for you and hunted you down. And brought you into my palace to the bottom of my feet. Not to point my finger at you and call you out for all the wickedness that entered your bloodline. But he's like, Mephibosheth, I came and brought you here to show you God's loving kindness. Look what it says. It says, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? I don't deserve it, David, but here's the deal. You know what? I know that they treated you bad. I know that, you know what? They tried to to pierce you with a sword. They tried to pin your life. They tried to take you out. They chased you all over the place. But, But David, I don't deserve what you're showing me. However, I'll take it. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 11 says, And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the own king's sons. I need you to know that this is what God is doing in the world today. We come from a bloodline that is defiled. We come from a bloodline that is full of sin that nailed the king to the cross and his name is Jesus. But he came to show loving kindness, God's father's loving kindness and open the door to a kingdom for you. And maybe you're like Mephibosheth today because you know the wickedness of your bloodline. But God wants to say to you today, I'm bigger than your bloodline. I came and gave my life. I defeated death on a cross and I'll meet you right where you are Mephibosheth and you know what you can eat at the king's table all the days of your life but see the reality of it is this that you have the faith to respond to the summon of the king who is inviting you into eternal life it only comes through gift that he gave to you are you currently in Lodabar just looking at the circumstances and all the challenges of life or will you allow the servants to get you to the king's feet and you say I don't deserve it but Jesus if you offer it I'll receive it and live with you See, it don't matter how big and bad you are. It don't matter where you came from. The question is, 
is will you submit to the king's summon? The reason he gave the book of Revelation is so you know who he is and you can respond today and get a new view of who you are. A child of the king, son, a daughter. One who really believes in eternal life. Can you bow your heads, please? God, you're summoning some people here today. There's some people battling circumstances. There's some people battling blessings. There's some people battling all kinds of things because of their perspective of time. God, time has no limits for you because you're a God that fits outside of all time as we know it. You're beginning and the end. You're the first and the last. You're the alpha. You're the omega. You're the one who came in the fullness of time during the church age. But God, in the broad spectrum of time, this age will come to completion. And God, I, I just want everybody to join us in your kingdom. I, I want everybody to be a part of what you're doing in, in the human heart and in all eternity. God, would you somehow, some way touch their heart today and let them surrender by faith to you, Jesus, the one who is the author of time the one who is the author of their life and the perfecter of their faith. My friend, God, it's not just playing games. He's summoning human souls and he's inviting you. And again, if you've missed the opportunity a thousand times, may this time be the time that you respond. You say, how do I do that? Say, King Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to respond by faith to you. The one who gave your life on a cross, defeated death, and resurrected from a grave. Today, I need to step into your kingdom and your family. I believe you hold the keys of life and death. I believe you hold the keys of the grave in your hands. And you're opening opportunity for me. Tell Jesus you believe in him. It's not just a fairy tale you read about in the Bible. Tell God, thank you for the cross. Tell God, thank you for the resurrection. And tell God you look so forward the eternal things that he still has in store for you. My friend, if you said that prayer with your heart today and by faith, I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. Man, it's amazing because you just stepped out of darkness into light. And again, God's going to illuminate amazing things to you on the journey, amazing things to me on the journey, and we're going to work together to inspire one another on this journey and build one another up in our faith. I invite you not to just come and sit in a weekend service, but become a part of a church experience somewhere around the world I invite you to get involved because can I tell you that's where you begin to grow in your faith and this journey called life life's going to come at you I don't know how it's going to come at you I don't know how it's going to come at me but I know it's going to come at you and my friend I I just want you to have the courage to see eternal things and believe in an eternal God who is resurrected and give you life so if you said that prayer today welcome to the family Thank you, God, for these people's faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap in here today.